We rejoice because of the powerful presence of Jesus, the Lord of might, our only hope of reaching heaven's shore. Let us pray. Father, this morning as we come on this second Sunday at Advent to reflect upon this title for Christ, Lord of might, show us what it means. Impress it upon our hearts. Soak it into our souls that we would ever keep our eyes fixed upon him, that we would place our faith and confidence in him, that we would rely on him. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Exodus 19, verses 16 through 20 may not be the Advent scripture you expected, but it is for today. So would you please turn there in your Bibles as we consider this account of the people of Israel being at the foot of Mount Sinai as God delivered the law to them. Hear now the word of God, Exodus 19, beginning with verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Tom Challey's book, Seasons of Sorrow, recount his journey in grief and sorrow over losing his son. In that book, he, he tells a story, and the story goes something like this. His uncle reconstructed a sailboat, and he invited Tim to go sailing with him one day on a lake. So they took this newly reconstructed sailboat out on a lake and enjoyed a day of sailing, but night began to fall, and the wind died down to nothing, and they were stranded in the middle of a lake, no wind to sail. This particular boat was equipped with oars for such a time as this, and so Tim was given the job to row, and he began to row towards shore. But he used this story as a metaphor for his journey in grief and sorrow. Even our young children who have been out on a lake, have any of you been out on a lake rowing? Any of our young children? Any of our older children? Well, when you're on a boat, Tim said, in a lake, and you're rowing, your back is to where you're headed, and you really can't see where you are going. And he said that represented to him his journey of grief, not really being able to see because the grief and sorrow were so great. 
It was a time in his life of not being able to see where he was going, like rowing with your back to the destination. We may find ourselves in situations where, where we struggle to see where we are going. How good will come out of a particular difficulty. Unable to see the reason for a particular issue of life or make sense out of a difficult and painful situation. Unable to see the reasons, answer the why questions to all the twists and turns of this life that can be so difficult. If we stop rowing, life oftentimes seems like we're rowing with our back to where we are going. But if we stop rowing, we will just be set adrift, not making any progress, never reaching our destination. We turning around as we're rowing because of the, that dynamic, we'll probably row in a circle never reaching our destination. We have to live through difficult circumstances, even though we can't see the way through, can't see where we are going. We have to row. The question is, is it possible to row and rejoice with confidence that we will reach our destination? And the answer to that question is found in this title for the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of Might. This year's Advent series is based on the Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. This, this carol dates to the 12th century. The version that you'll find in our hymnal has five stanzas. Each of those stanzas is based on a title of Christ that is based on Scripture. Derek covered the first title last week, Emmanuel. The Lord of Might is our focus today. And in the coming Advent sermons and then at Christmas Eve, we'll look at the titles Rod of Jesse, Dayspring, and Key of David. God's people throughout the ages have rejoiced in singing this hymn, not only because it recounts the prophecies concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus, not only because in singing it we remember his first coming at Bethlehem as we anticipate Christmas morning, but we also sing it with joy because it's a hymn that focuses us to the reality of the second coming. He's coming again, second advent, and he's coming at the end of the age to consummate all things. So on this second Sunday of Advent, we sing this Advent hymn, or we'll reflect upon this Advent hymn, the second stanza. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height, in ancient times, didst give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Today's lesson calls us to rejoice 
by remembering the Lord of might at Sinai and all of his majesty and all of his splendor and power and awesomeness. It causes us to rejoice by being encouraged to place our faith and trust and confidence in the Lord of might at Bethlehem and all of his glory and power and majesty, though veiled, but who is mighty to save. And it calls us to rejoice by ex- being exhorted to eagerly expect the Lord of might's return and all his glory and power and majesty at the end of the age to consummate all things and to bring God's people at last to their eternal home. So we begin by looking at the Lord of might as we reflect upon this this first stanza or the second stanza of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It recounts the majestic, the power, the splendor, the awesomeness of God Almighty settling upon Mount Sinai to give the law to his nation. It also reflects the power and might and sovereignty of God who just previous to giving the law had redeemed his people, had delivered them from bondage in Egypt and brought them to the foot of Mount Sinai. It it recounts the power of God. Look at verse, look at chapter 19 and the passage that we've read today. As the Lord's presence Sinai, and I think this presence on Sinai can reflect his presence in redeeming his people from Egypt as well, that his presence is described by thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud, loud trumpet blast that got louder and louder, the mountain being wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. The whole mountain trembled, and the people in the camp trembled as well. The the awesome, majestic, powerful God on Mount Sinai is the awesome, majestic, powerful God who created all things out of nothing, who breathed life into Adam in the garden and made him a living being, who powerfully delivered from bondage in Egypt his people Israel, and bore them on eagles' wings, as Moses says in Exodus 19, to the foot of Mount Sinai. And at Sinai, the might and power of the Lord of might is on full display as he delivered the law to them. Moses' song in Exodus 15, just a few chapters earlier, celebrated the Lord of might. It's our call to worship this morning. Who who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? The backdrop to the second stanza of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is this. The Lord of might, who delivered Israel from bondage in Egypt and delivered his law to his people is the Almighty. And these acts of deliverance foreshadow a messianic king, the Lord of might to come, 
Isaiah's prophecies reminds us of this Lord of might, this messianic king that was to come. Isaiah 9, 6, that the Hilburns read this morning for us. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then in Isaiah chapter 33, in verses 21 through 22, another prophecy concerning this messianic king, the Lord of might, who was to come. But there the Lord in majesty will be for us, a place of broad rivers and streams where no galley with oars can go, nor majestic ship can pass. For the Lord, Yahweh, is our judge. The Lord, Yahweh, covenant God, is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. This messianic king in Isaiah will be the all-sufficient Messiah to save. And therefore, the Lord Almighty, who is mighty to save, is the sole reason for God's people rejoicing today and in the day to come. The Lord of might, the messianic king to come, indeed came and broke forth in human history. We rejoice because of the powerful presence of Jesus the Lord of might who fulfilled what was experienced at Sinai and what was foretold in these prophecies in Isaiah and throughout Scripture. Our only hope to reach heaven's shore. And then secondly, the Lord of might at Bethlehem. I'd like for us to compare and contrast the Lord of might descending on Mount Sinai and the Lord of might incarnate at Bethlehem. The Lord of might at Bethlehem, compared to the Lord of might at Sinai, no thick clouds, no fire and smoke, no thunders and lightnings, no trumpets blasting louder and louder, no trembling of men, of beasts, or of the earth, the coming of Messiah at Bethlehem in being born of woman was humble and lowly, even obscure and ever so common. Unlike what was observed atop Mount Sinai. The Lord of Might's presence in Bethlehem did not appear to depict might and power and glory and majesty. I mean, how could this babe born of woman in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothing be the promised Messiah, the Lord of might, who would be mighty to save God's people? Well, the answer to that question was read to us this morning by Jason from Galatians chapter 4. This humble, lowly presence of the Lord of might at Bethlehem was part of the eternal plan of God to save his people. Galatians 4, 4 through 7, the Lord of might broke forth in human history to redeem God's people. And part of that 
plan was to be born of woman, to be born under the law, to fulfill the law, and eventually offer himself as a sacrifice for the sins of God's people on the cross. His lowly presence, his humble beginnings, was all part of God's plan of redemption. We read in Philippians 2, that great hymn of Christ, that he humbled himself. He took a a full human nature in the incarnation to to identify fully with with Adam's fallen race. He, He was born under the law, but never broke it. Matthew 5 records Jesus' own words that attest to the fact that the law given at Sinai was fulfilled by him down to the least jot, the least tittle, the least pinstroke, Matthew 5, 17 through 20. The Lord of might at Bethlehem was the lawgiver, as Isaiah 33, 22 reminds us. And he was the law keeper. He was perfect, righteous before the law. And he upheld the law perfectly in order to redeem his brothers under the law, to redeem us who are law breakers. This is his act of obedience, as theologians call it. But he also passively obeyed as part of his redeeming work by submitting himself to utter humiliation of being nailed to a cross and dying to pay, not for his sin, he was sinless, but for the sins of his people. He paid the ransom price for our redemption. The Lord of might at Bethlehem was was present to redeem sinners to God. We must understand, however, that that his presence at Bethlehem and throughout his life, even later going to the cross, was glorious, powerful, majestic, and awesome as much as what is observed at Mount Sinai. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and then 28 through 31, for the word of the cross is folly, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, Let the one who boasts, boast only in the Lord. Even as Jesus was born in Bethlehem, even as Jesus hung on the cross and died, the Lord of might was present in majesty and glory and power and dominion. We must never forget that. The Lord of might broke forth in human history at Bethlehem in lowliness, in humility, but listen to what Paul says about the redeeming work of the Lord of might. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. What, what motivated the, the Lord of might to not only 
humble himself by being born of woman under the law and eventually die on a cross. What motivated him? Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love motivated Christ. How must we respond to this saving presence of the Lord of might at Bethlehem? There's only one answer. Repentance and faith. Our profession of faith, these few words, but a short verse that is packed with power because it represents the mighty power of Christ in redeeming God's people. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Lord of might is mighty to save. Are you saved by placing your faith in Him? He is the only way to find deliverance from bondage to sin, Satan, and death. He is the only way to have a right standing before God. He is the only way to the glorious shore of heaven. Have you put your faith in Him? For we rejoice because of the powerful presence of Jesus, the Lord of might at Bethlehem, our only hope to reach heaven's shore. And then third, the Lord of might at the end of the age. Unlike the Lord's humble and lowly presence at Bethlehem, His return by descending from heaven at the end of the age to consummate salvation will be like the Lord of Might's presence as he descended upon Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. Visibly present in power and glory and majesty, awesomeness. He will appear in majesty, glory, and power at his second coming. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. Titus 2.13, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Our Lord, the Lord of might, will return to complete salvation, to consummate all things. Hebrews 9.28, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And the Lord of might will return a second time for judgment. Matthew 25.31-32, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And then 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, rather good or evil. And the Lord of might's return is a great hope for the people of God. Listen to these words of Paul from Colossians 3, 1 through 4. 
If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above Christ, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What a powerful promise and hope that is for God's people. We rejoice because of the powerful presence of Jesus, the Lord of might, who will return at the end of the age, our only hope of reaching heaven's shore. Today's lesson calls us to rejoice, rejoice by remembering the Lord's might at Sinai and all of his majesty and power and glory and an awesome presence put on full display. It calls us to be encouraged to, to place our faith and our confidence in the Lord of might at Bethlehem and all of his glory and majesty and power, though veiled, for he is mighty to save. And it calls us, it exhorts us to eagerly expect the Lord of might's return in all of his glory and majesty and power and awesomeness at the end of the age to consummate all things, to bring completion to salvation and bring his people at last to heaven's shore, our eternal destination. This is the overarching theme of this Advent sermon on the Lord of might. The Lord of might is Jesus. The Lord of might is all-glorious, all-powerful, all-majestic, a new term, all-awesomeness. He's mighty to save. And this is reason enough for God's people to rejoice in the Lord of might. I want to return to Tim Challey's story story I began with about when you row your back as to where you're going, you can't see where you are going. And just to remind you, Tim used this rowing analogy as a metaphor for his journey through sorrow and grief over losing his son. He said, this, I think it was two years ago his son passed away. But he said this time in his life has been like not being able to see where you're going. Let me ask you, do you, can you identify with that? Not being able to see where you're going, not be able to make sense of why something difficult or concerning is happening to you or to a loved one. Not being able to connect the dots with what's going on in our world today that should be discouraging to all of us? Does your life reflect, at times, not being able to see where you're going? Though he rowed 
with his back to where he was going, Tim said, and this is the rest of the story. He said his eyes were fixed on and his confidence placed in his captain at the helm, his uncle, who saw he was facing where they were going. He saw their destination. He was steering and guiding the ship to that destination. And Tim said that's where he placed his trust in his uncle guiding the way. But he used that metaphor, not that his uncle was at the helm, but that the Lord of might was at the helm. Rowing with our backs to where we're headed is a metaphor for our lives and our times of uncertainty, of pain, of sorrow, of difficulty, of being perplexed about why life is turning out the way that it is. Where we really can't see our way through or see a way through or see where we are going. But even as we are rowing, with our backs to where we're going, not being able to see where we're going, our eyes are to be fixed on the captain at the helm, the Lord of might. He sees where we're going. He is steering and guiding us to that destination. He has ordained it, and he is mighty to ensure that we reach the destination which is ultimately heaven's shore. This Advent, let us rejoice by reflecting on the powerful, glorious, majestic, awesome presence of the Lord of might, who is mighty to save. And remember that he is at the helm of each of our lives. Place your faith and confidence in him, Rely on him alone. We rejoice because of the powerful presence of Jesus, the Lord of might, our only hope to reach heaven's shore. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do come with grateful hearts, with, with hearts that are overflowing with joy because of, of who you are. the mighty God, the Lord. Impress upon us, Father, to keep our eyes fixed on you. Enable us to place our faith in you. May our confidence be in you by your grace. May we rely on you as you have promised that one day all your people will reach heaven's shore. And we pray and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.